0: we are pushing farmers into more marginal land that in theory then will also produce less nutritious food further away from the people who are eating it so it will be less fresh and it will also be grown on soils that cannot produce the same nutrient density hello
1: thank you so much for checking out earth care the interview series that's dedicated to understanding the ways we can care for the earth and each other I'm your host, Sarah Christie, and I'm on a mission to make climate change an approachable and not so overwhelming conversation for everyone. On this podcast, we meet climate heroes, activists, experts, entrepreneurs, and get their take on how we can help save the planet. And during this episode, we're learning to do that by supporting our local farmers and farmland. Max Hansgen is the president of the National Farmers Union of Ontario. The union's mission statement explains they're made up of thousands of family farmers and eaters across the province who advocate for sustainable family farms and create policy change at all levels of government. Now, a few weeks ago, we did an Earth Care episode with David Crombie about Bill 23 and what that meant for the Ontario Greenbelt. Well... In the province, a lot of the farmland that we have here is in the Greenbelt, which Bill 23 has opened up for development. So as a response to Bill 23, or the More Homes Built Faster Act, the National Farmers Union of Ontario joined what they described as a rare coalition of farmers, housing advocates, urban planners, environmentalists, labor unions, healthcare workers, and community groups from the province, and released this detailed statement. So in it, it reads, with Bill 23 farmers would no longer be able to appeal development applications to the Ontario Land Tribunal, even when these developments do not meet minimum distance separations. They have the potential to increase flooding risks and or have other environmentally negative impacts on their land. Okay, that was a lot of points. And if you didn't read the statement to sum it up, it's not great. And that's just one of the points from the farmland perspective, right? Opposing Bill 23. But even that one point already has the alarms going off in my head. Our farmland obviously provides fresh local food, but they mentioned in the statement it prevents flood risk and here we are building on it. Why? So what does Bill 23 truly mean for Ontario farmland? What's the importance of having access to locally grown produce? And how can we as individuals help? That's what we get into during this episode of Earth Care. Here it is my conversation with Max Hansgen. Max Hansgen, president of the National Farmers Union of Ontario. Thank you so much for being on Earthcare to I mean, talk about what makes farms so special, why they're so important, and really what has put them at risk here in Ontario. I figured off the top to really paint the picture and set the tone for this conversation. You can explain how much farmland occupies the Ontario Greenbelt because that's what we're going to dive into throughout the conversation.
0: Okay, so uh, the Ontario Greenbelt protects about 2 million acres of farmland in Ontario currently. That sounds like a lot, but given the 2019 census of us losing 319 acres per day of farmland in Ontario, that actually could add up really, really fast. Uh, So with I think you're you're specifically looking at Bill 23. The impact is currently at uh, about 5,000, a little over 5,000 acres of currently protected farmland that has now been greenlit for developments. Uh, the concern is that this also sets a precedent to open up all farmland that is currently protected uh, going down the road into the future. Once you start chipping away at that, um, it it becomes a slippery slope.
1: Now, you mentioned the 319 acres that you're losing every day. I just read that before we started this conversation. But first, before I ask more about that, uh, you said 5,000 acres, 7,400 acres is what's been opened up with Bill 23. That's majority of what's been opened up. That's farmland. That is, oof, that's a lot to wrap your head around now. Okay, so the 319 acres of farmland that you're losing every day. Why?
0: Uh, Well, <laughs> largely to development. So um, there's pressure on, there's pressure for development on many fronts. Uh, Farmers, unfortunately, uh, are at or approaching retirement age, largely in Ontario. And with transitioning to younger generations being largely unaffordable due to the price of land, it becomes a way to secure retirement income to sell your farmland. Now that's only one piece of the puzzle. but it, it is very profitable to sell your farmland to be developed to uh, put up houses or businesses or aggregate extraction. So, th- those are development and aggregate extraction are, are usually the two main reasons for loss of farmland.
1: Ah, uh, Okay, so when we're talking about Bill 23 specifically and everything that falls under that umbrella, how does that impact the 5,000 acres of farmland that are now at risk because of that?
0: So those 5,000 acres will in theory be uh, almost completely used for developing for uh, houses. Um, that's, that's what's gonna be built on those 5,000 acres. So once, Farmland has been converted into a development; it never goes back. So that farmland will be permanently lost, uh, and will be creating houses outside of the municipal boundaries that currently exist. So they will need to be serviced, which of course is um, requires uh, extraction of aggregates in other places as well as. So it's it it kind of spirals from there but those 5000 acres they're they're going to be gone they're going to be put under houses they're going to be put under pavement
1: Now, I'm going to make a broad assumption here and say that a lot of us have taken or currently take our closeness to local farmland for granted. And I'll use myself as an example, you know, uh, during the pandemic, I got really into gardening and it wasn't until I started growing my own food that I I started to learn about, you know, the nutritional value of food um, when I eat it freshly picked versus a week later versus two weeks later. So I'm wondering if you could talk about, you know, what are some of the health benefits here in terms of our geography and our closeness to all this farmland?
0: Okay, so the, the one that you mentioned already, of course, is is very important. Uh, if you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables in your diet, the fresher they are when you eat them, the higher the nutritional content. But I also think it goes beyond that. When we talk about those 5000 acres, a lot of that is what's called class one or class two farmlands, which means that they are among the most fertile. Well, class one is the most fertile farmland category, class two being the second. So fertile soils tend to be also uh, high in micronutrients. So you end up with nutrient dense food. So what we're doing is we are pushing farmers into more marginal land that in theory then will also produce less nutritious food further away from the people who are eating it. So it will be less fresh and it will also be grown on soils that cannot produce the same nutrient density
1: wow okay so there's a couple things i wanted to i'm hoping you can break down in addition to that which are the environmental benefits to keeping our hands off the farmland and um economically i mean we've all seen it going into the grocery store right now how expensive everything is i'm sure that uh this is not going to help that situation in any way Um, but why don't we start with the environmental benefits of keeping the farmland as is
0: okay well there's the practical aspect of farmland and the other natural heritage uh, lands, which comprise the other 2,400 acres, but uh, act as carbon sinks. They clean our water and they mitigate climate by providing um, essentially a source of of clean air, clean water, and temperature regulation. When you pave it over and replace it with houses and pavements, Uh, water ends up running off directly into creeks and streams and rivers and ends up in our lakes without having been filtered through a natural ecosystem first. So that's a pretty uh, straightforward environmental benefit of keeping the land either as farmland or as natural heritage land. And then the other one, which is a little bit more far reaching is any food that we are not growing close by, we're going to have to replace with food that we're growing further away, which of course means that we have to ship and store that food. And there is obviously energy costs associated with shipping and storing food, which (laughs) means that we're pouring more emissions into the environment in order to get that same food to our table.
1: Wow, okay, so then we talk about the economic factor how is that going to impact us to pay for all of this food that we that would then have to import in
0: okay so you know it's it's twofold um proponents of building houses will tell you that it will create jobs and spur the economy but those are short-term jobs because once the houses and the infrastructure is built, the maintenance is very minimal and um, you are requiring large amounts of inputs in order to get those houses built. So on a short-term scale, you create some jobs and it makes the economy a little bit hot. But what you've done is then increased the price of the land. You've increased the price of all the materials that are required to build those homes. And we've also uh, then created infrastructure that's stretching out away from the municipal boundaries that will need to be maintained in the time to come. Whereas if you keep the land as farmland, uh, you've got jobs that are close to home, and you've got an economic engine that continues to produce a, a saleable product indefinitely until that land, as I say, gets developed. So farmland is a source of revenue that continues on into the future. Development is a short-term hit that eventually turns into a long-term liability of maintenance.
1: Right now, you mentioned it a bit earlier too when you were talking about um, having to import food and what that would do for the environment as well. And, And when we're talking about our climate crisis, why should we also be talking about local farmland? How are those two connected, I guess, when we talk about, like, when we look at news stories of these natural disasters happening across the world, why is that something we also need to think about when we're talking about our local farmland?
0: Well, I think I already touched on the environmental Uh, benefits of buying local food compared to importing. Uh, To take it a step further, though, in terms of why we should think about this, uh, (laughs) just from the selfish perspective of our own consuming needs is local supply chains are very difficult to disrupt. And uh, the longer the supply chain gets, the easier it is for one piece of the supply chain to break down. So as climate disasters increase or even when unexpected things like COVID come along, where our supply chains become very difficult to maintain over long distances, we see our prices go up and we see availability go down. So when food is grown close to home, yes, we could have a climate disaster that would affect um, the farmland right here in Ontario. That's it's not unheard of. We do suffer some environmental impacts, but we're we're really Sort of protecting ourselves against climate disasters that might occur anywhere along the supply chain coming from somewhere else
1: gotcha now during the pandemic like you mentioned uh there was such an awareness for supporting local you know there was such encouragement to support local but here we are talking about local farms which are providing food healthy food something we all need how could i help
0: attend your local farmers market sign up for a food box program from a local farmer in the summertime and look at the country of origin on the products you buy in the grocery store. Uh, I think one of the things that our, (laughs) our modern society has a hard time coming to grips with is that to eat locally also means to eat seasonally. Eating a tomato in January is probably not the best thing for the planet, regardless of whether it was grown in a greenhouse here in Ontario or grown in California. But if you have to make that choice, I would still advocate for buying that greenhouse-grown tomato here in Ontario.
1: It was such a pleasure to talk to you and um, really learn about the vital role that farms play here in Ontario because food is not something we can take for granted. So I appreciate you sharing your time with this series.
0: You're very welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for checking out that episode of Earth Care and letting this podcast be a part of your day. Since you made it this far, here's a little sneak peek into the conversation we're having next week. I think simply buying less, buying more mindfully, being a more mindful consumer, asking yourself, do I need this? When you go into the grocery store, am I going to cook this? What am I going to cook with this? Sometimes you look into your grocery cart and there's a lot of things that look good, but they don't really make sense together. It's like, what am I gonna actually make with all these things? And that's where we have a risk of waste happening. Until then, we can also connect online at EarthCareShow on Instagram and TikTok. Head there to give those accounts a follow. And hey, if you have time, leave a review, message me with a review. I'd love to know what's on your mind, what's been clicking with you, and what topic you'd like to learn more about. You can also write to me on the website, EarthCareShow.com. I'm your host, Sarah Christie, and the goal of this podcast is to get us talking about climate change. So, let's chat.